millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot um, and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Another nomination for Team of the Year for the Lionesses. And it's two wins from two in the Arnold Clark Cup as Rachel Daly grabs the headlines in Coventry. James crosses. Daly, brilliant header. What a goal for England. And what a wonderfully directed header from Rachel Daly into the bottom corner. And England are back in front. She's certainly a goal scorer, but the question is, should she be England's number nine? That's what I'm here to do and throw myself throw myself about and, and get on the end of something so yeah happy with the win and some great performances tonight wins over South Korea and Italy have set up a showdown finale between England and Belgium in Bristol meanwhile after leading the Lionesses last time out Alex Greenwood talks leadership and looks ahead to the World Cup for me personally of course I, I want to go to the World Cup I want to be a part of the team that goes out to, to Australia and New Zealand and I've just got to focus on myself, make sure I'm fit and healthy and performing at the top of my game. Breaking news for you as well that England will face Australia ahead of the World Cup. So all that, plus we'll round up the rest of the international action, look ahead to the fifth round of the FA Cup and round up some of the stories from the week. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. How has your weekend been filled with football? I hope certainly has for me up and down the country watching the Arnold Clark Cup. Uh, I have a cracking pair of guests for you tonight. Uh, Arsenal defender, former Scotland defender, Jen Beatty's with me. How are you doing, Jen? Very well, thanks for having me. And Times football writer Molly Hudson, as always. How are you? That's weird hearing Jen as a former Scotland international and I'm not even Jen. I know. So How much FOMO after announcing your retirement, Jen? Majorly. No, it's it's so weird. Um, but no, it's, it's nice in a way like, to just support them from the sidelines and just um, also just have more time to kind of see friends, see family and, and do things outside of football So and be on talk sport with you. Well, exactly. Obviously. I mean, that's the only reason you retired, <laughs> isn't it? To, yeah. be, to be on talk sport with us. But we were talking in the lift on the way up and, yeah. and, and you said you've tried to really pack the last few days full mm. so you don't quite feel as, as left out as you would have been. So are you, are you surprised actually at how much less FOMO you've maybe had? Yeah, I think the first international break from speaking from players that had gone through a similar thing was the first one was always going to be the hardest. So I kind of consciously wanted to be busy and be doing things and see friends and and do bits outside of football and and work and be on radio and try different things and that was kind of the whole point. So yeah, of course I, of course I'm missing out. I miss all the girls, I miss the setup. It was such a huge part of my life for solid 15 years or something crazy like that so um i'll miss it a lot um but it's, it's the right time to kind of do do other things and enjoy other aspects of life and we're grateful 
because we get to have you. Thank you. Um, and we will talk about what Scotland have been doing in the in the Pinatar Cup, the Arnold Clark Cup, which is what me and Molly have been uh, focusing on this past week or so. And a 4-0 win over South Korea, followed by a 2-1 victory over Italy, means that England top the Arnold Clark Cup table on goal difference ahead of their showdown with Belgium at a sold-out Ashton Gate on Wednesday. Talk Sport will bring you live commentary of that match, as we have throughout this tournament, where England have dominated. Stanway darts forward now and smashes it into the corner. Goalkeeper went the right way, but Stanway scores from the spot. England off and running at the Arnold Clark Cup. England on the attack straight away, all in wide, head to the penalty area, a driven shot, finds the back of the net. Chloe Kelly straight away. Greenwood's low ball in, Russo near post. Pokes it past the goalkeeper, Alessia Russo with a poacher's goal. Party atmosphere here in Milton Keynes. It's come to James, who buries it anyway. Lauren James, clinical, rifled, right-footed. There's a proper first England goal. Far side, quarter of the penalty area. Daly's header, England lead. Rachel Daly. James crosses, Daly, brilliant header. What a goal for England. And what a wonderfully directed header from Rachel Daly into the bottom corner. And England are back in front. The final whistle blows. Two wins from two in the Arnold Clark Cup for England. And their 100% run in this year's competition goes on. So the Lionesses are two from two in the Arnold Clark Cup. I caught up with Laura Coombs, who hadn't played for England in eight years before being called up to the squad for this tournament. After the victory over Italy, she was thrilled to have played the full 90 minutes. I really enjoyed it. It was, um, I don't know, it was just a great be out there. The fans are amazing, the atmosphere. She made a lot of changes, but I thought we gelled so quickly together and we got a win, so a positive afternoon. (laughs) I was about to ask you that. How difficult is it to play nine changes? Obviously, these are all new combinations to to all of you, really. How difficult is that to to gel? It's just about really learning quickly um, who's good at doing what, you know, knowing your role really well, what's expected of you. And, you know, we've had some training sessions, so we we have worked together a little bit. but yeah, it was just really fun and we went out there, tried to enjoy it and I think it showed. In terms of the World Cup, do you feel as if you have done enough in that performance and the substitute one if you don't get an opportunity next week? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> all I can do is go out and, you know, do the best I can and know tonight that I've done all I can and we'll see what happens. That was Laura Coombs there speaking to me after the 2-1 win over Italy and uh, she came on as a substitute in the first game, a 4-0 victory over South Korea. Played the full 90, as you just heard, in the second match as well. Let, let's go game by game, shall we? I, I like a little little bit of uh, chronological order. Strong lineup first game, although no Kira Walsh, Molly. And we've always worried what this England team looks like without Kira Walsh and they looked co- more comfortable than perhaps we thought with Leah Williamson playing in midfield they did I think we've talked a lot that Kira Walsh is for a long period of time was really underrated in fact for for what she does for England um and it was in a way I think quite handy quite a good learning experience not that you know we don't want Kira Walsh to be poorly however um at some point you have to find a way to to play without such an integral player and I think it's quite interesting that Leah Williamson went in there in the midfield uh, I know she's she's had to do it a bit for Arsenal as well um, with various injuries and whatnot. Um, and I also think you know we, we hear from Laura Coombs there a player that's sort of come from nowhere she's been ticking along thought international she actually said she thought her international career was over pretty much has come back has played a, probably a lot more than what people might have thought she might in this tournament and no, the same for Katie Zellum. Uh, we've seen she's been in a lot of squads for Serena, but she hasn't played a lot. And it, you always felt like she maybe wasn't Serena's sort of option, the one that she'd call upon when needed. Actually, she's played a lot in this tournament. And, you know, I think I think it was 45 minutes she got against South Korea. So it's all good, but big caveat, South Korea were out of season and weren't very good. And G didn't is, play. Is, is, yes, G, G is still coming back from injury, um, which is a shame because what a talent, what a player. Always love watching her play. Um, so I think England did very well, coped very well without Kira Walsh. However, 
bigger tests are to come without her if unfortunately England do have to deal with that at any point you know looking ahead to the World Cup this was the whole point of this tournament Jen was was for Serena Wiegmann to try out a load of different combinations see mm. what players may make their way onto the plane to Australia I think she's pretty nailed on with her rough starting 11 with a few different tweaks to make but of course you never know you know with with a few months still to go what injuries you might come across what what did you make of both performances and and who came on who perhaps shone for you yeah i think that's one of the the great things about a modern manager now is that they they really use these tournaments as an opportunity to to give players the the ability and, and the the exposure that they need to to perform um, going into a major tournament. I think everyone commented, or it was obvious that Wiegmann had her, her strong eleven in the Euros, and it was a very very consistent team throughout that whole tournament. But what's great about the Arnold Clark Cup is she's she's made loads of changes. Nine nine changes is ridiculous, and you know great for the players. Um, I think Laura Coombe summed it up really well there about being able to gel and how difficult that is going into a team against a very good side. Um, and how quickly they need to adapt and learn but no for for me I always love seeing Lauren James perform I think the way that she's developed over the past couple of seasons is being incredible obviously had a very difficult start to Chelsea when she first signed with picking up a couple of injuries but she seems to be finding her feet not just at club level but international as well and I think a goal and an assist that early on in the tournament she started really well and for me she's always been a standout um but it's just it's the depth that England had that I just think is incredible. Even for for Jordan Nos being back in the side, and I think it was her and Katie Zellan that came off the bench and got a strong forty five minutes. And for me, they they changed the game with with totally different dimensions. Zellan for me came on and again similar to Laura Coombs, I think has gone under the radar. Mm. Um, one of the most underrated midfielders in the league, I think, in my opinion. Um, but just brings a different dimension to the game. She's calm, composed. There's no there's no wonders that she's captain of a major club you know because she brings that leadership she brings that sort of mature mentality on the pitch and sees passes that I don't think anyone else would see maybe besides Kira Walsh um, and then Jordan just brings a completely di- different dimension in that sense she stretches the game I think she had a couple of shots saved just as soon as she came on and just changed the game so mm. They've just got strength and depth and numbers, and I think they're they're in a really good place as a team. And some impressive youngsters coming through as well. Let's talk. Sorry, Molly, go on. We we mentioned there Leah obviously moved into that midfield position. Obviously, you you yeah. know her really well and have probably played with her in midfield and in defence. How hard is that to make that switch? And do you think it's something she enjoys? It's it's difficult. I think. It's, you know what it's always credit to a player how versatile they are I think we see that so much with, with Rachel Daly and Leah's another prime example that can can move pretty straightforward from, from centre back into midfield but I think Leah would say herself she knows that she's a centre back but it's, it's credit to her that she has the ability to move into midfield if, if Kira Walsh isn't available um, I think different players find it completely different I think Rachel Daly would say I think she's been pretty outspoken that she loves that role and she's more than happy to play anywhere I think anyone playing for the country would say the same I think you're you're, you're happy to do a job for the team and I think that again is credit to to Wiegmann she has this unbelievable ability to, to make sure every player understands their role going into a game I think that's one of her biggest attributes Um She's, she communicates with them, which yeah. I think is huge. I mean, I don't know from a player's point of view, but sometimes you can second guess or maybe you read a game differently to a manager might read a game or think your position is better. If a coach comes to you and tells you specifically what they want and why, and that's the crucial part, the context of it, why they want you to play that role, that must be something that can only enhance you as a player. Absolutely. I think... Anyone who I play with currently, so sort of Vid, Vid Miedemar or Beth Mead that have played under Wiegmann would say the same thing. It's it's her communication. It's her player individual management. And I think in the women's game, that's probably one of the hardest things to do. How how do you manage 25 different different people in a team, staff and players? And everyone I've, I've spoken to says the same thing. It's, it's her management off the pitch that again comes down to performance and that's such a credit to her it is when you have those conversations it's no wonders that she's won two euros back to back you know with with different nations like what an achievement that is but for me it's her management
It's yeah. those little conversations that, that go a long way. Listen, the, the big question I wanted to talk to you both about was Rachel Daly, is she a number nine? But I feel as if that is going to take up a long amount of time. So we'll speak about that very, very shortly. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Next, we'll hear from England defender Alex Greenwood. And I will pose that question. Rachel Daly, is she a number nine? for England. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Times football writer Molly Hudson is alongside me, as is Arsenal defender Jen Beattie. Uh, I posed the question didn't I? And we're going to have to answer it. Rachel Daly, uh, popping in goals for fun in the WSL. We know what she did for Houston Dash out in in America. And now she's given the opportunity to play in that position for England. But could she play in that position in the Women's World Cup, Jen Beattie? I think so, yeah. I think popping in goals for fun was the phrase that kind of sums it up. I think whenever she is in that position... She delivers goals, and what else would you want from a number nine? You know, she's um, as soon as she, like what you said when she was at Houston, she kind of went under the radar in terms of English media because she obviously wasn't in the WSL. But as soon as she's come back, she's hit the ground running, and it's a credit to to Aston Villa really for for picking her up and and um, wanting her at the club because she's she's done incredibly well. Um, and look for me, a number nine. All you'd want is for her to score goals, and that's exactly what she's doing. So I think she's a number nine. Yeah, which then poses a massive question for Serena Vigman. And I feel actually as if this tournament, we've discussed this before, Molly, has brought more questions than answers for Serena Vigman because you've spoken to her previously about whether or not Alessia Russo and Rachel Daly could potentially play together. Yeah, I, I asked her after the, the Italy game because it suddenly sort of came to me that we have these two fantastic striking options. Well, do we have to pick? Do we have to answer this question? Um, and it appears that we do because Serena said that she has tried it out with two centre-forwards in training and she sort of sort of suggested it might be something that they could do later in games if they were chasing a game, for mm. example. They could, you know, for example, Rachel Daly could start a left-back and then move to a striker. Um, it's something that could be done, but it's not something she's willing to start with at the moment. But, you know, it's it's something I've been thinking about a lot. And I think maybe we need to change the way we look at a centre forward for England because I've grown up and we've all been around Ellen White, right, as the starting striker. And it was Ellen White. And she was the number one, like, miles ahead of everyone because of how fantastic she was. When you have two strikers of the calibre of Alessia Russo and Rachel Daly, I don't think you have to put the pressure on one and say, that's my out-and-out striker. I think Beegman has the the ability to pick and choose when she uses each one because they are slightly different. And I think that's what they can utilise going into the World Cup. That one game, maybe she can play Rachel Daly as a left-back, but it's a lot harder to move from left-back to strike it in a game we've seen how fantastic Daly is you've got to have real discipline exactly Mm. we've seen how fantastic she is doing it for club and country changing but to ask her to do that in a game is probably a step too far so I think maybe she can start as a striker although to be fair Millie Bright has done that Coming, you know, million. They're very good friends. I know. Yeah, she's just incredible, incredible. Um, And that's what I love about this England side, and how, why I'm so excited about about the World Cup coming up in July. Because actually, there are so many players who can play in so many positions that actually the chance of potentially, I love this word, befuddling uh, your opposition is, you know, could be really key going forward, particularly in in the latter stages of uh, of the tournament. And actually, perhaps one player benefiting from Rachel Daly being so prolific is is Alex Greenwood because that left back spot if you know Rachel Daly doesn't play in that position looks like it would be nailed on for for Alex Greenwood but then she can also play as centre back and we've seen the the different combinations between her Millie Brighton and, and Leah Williamson um you know she obviously plays as a centre back Uh, for for Manchester City and I I caught up with her a couple of days ago I started by asking her whether the versatility that she offers the team actually makes her one of the first names on the World Cup squad list for the Lionesses I think I've been around this team a long time now I've 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 played a lot for England and I think I'm fully aware of these situations and how how they evolve Um, and that's something I can 
I can prepare myself for. But for me personally, it's about you know taking each game as it comes and making sure I'm at the highest level I can possibly possibly be and fit and healthy and and then performing when it when it comes down to it and whatever position that is, if that's at centre back at club or or if it's left back here, then I can only control what I can and the rest is obviously down to the staff. Um, but for me, obviously the role. Of, as I get a little bit older, as well, helping the other girls and making sure we're in the best place possible for the summer. How easy or difficult is it when you're a versatile player to not have that one position nailed on? Because we spoke about it at, at the Euros, mm-hmm. didn't didn't we? You know, yeah. you played left back at um, the World Cup in in 2019, and because you predominantly play as centre back for for Manchester City, it leaves you kind of in a bit of a, a bit of a quandary. Yeah, I mean, left back's not alien to me. It's it's I've played there more than I played centre back in my career, so it's not it's not like I'm going to a position where it's completely unfamiliar. Um, of course, it looks very different in terms of tactically and what you what you're required to do in a game. If that's going forward or defensively, positionally, it looks a little bit different, and that's something throughout the week. Um, I'll look at and I'll look at the opposition. I look at myself. I look at clips. Um, but it's it's not something I'm. I'm afraid of it's not. It's not that I'm sitting here saying I wish I couldn't play both. I'm I'm, I'm lucky I can. Um, and whatever role I'm asked to play, whether that's for club or country, I'll I'll make sure I do as as best I can. You're one of the more experienced players in, in older players. In this, yeah, I didn't want to say that. Oh, I didn't want to say older slash more experienced players. Um, I won't I won't use veteran. Um, when you look at the World Cup, when you look at what the Arnold Clark Cup did in terms of preparation for, for the Euros. How helpful is a tournament like this, first and foremost? Additionally to that, how desperate are you to get out to to Australia and and make a real impact for this team in the World Cup? These tournaments are so so important for so many reasons. I think it's obviously for the staff to see players, um, for players themselves to to perform well when asked to, to train well, um, to maybe get a taste of an experience of what a tournament feels like. Albeit it's it's very different when it comes to a pressurised situation, but you know I, we carry pressure now because of our success, and I think that's that's a great place to be at, especially for the girls coming in. I think it's it's nice that they come in and and, and feel that naturally. Um, but within the four walls, we we make everything as normal and as comfortable as possible for everyone because you know we go about our business the same way we would twelve months ago, and that's to be prepared come the twenty second of July. Um, and I think if you ask every single player who's who's here if they want to go to the World Cup, the answer would be yes. Um, that's naturally a part of being competitive and wanting to play at international level. Um, for me personally, of course, I, I want to go to the World Cup. I want to be a part of the team that goes out to, to Australia and New Zealand. And I've just got to focus on myself, make sure I'm fit and healthy and performing at the top of my game. And, you know, you hope everything else um, looks after itself. And this is my last question, I promise. How amazing would it be? I know your favourites for the World Cup, a lot of football to be played mm-hmm. in the tournament itself. What would it mean for this side to effectively do the double, European and world champions? Yeah, I mean, of course it would be incredible to do that. I think it's a long way away. Um, I know we always give the same answer and that we, we do take each game as it comes. That's, that's the truth and that's the mentality that we have in this in this squad. And and how we work for each tournament. And the most important thing for us now is tomorrow. Um, of course, the, tomorrow prepares us for the 22nd of July, but right now our priority is is tomorrow and winning that game. England defender Alex Greenwood speaking to me earlier on this week. And Jen, as a player, obviously you cannot look that far ahead. And it's a, t- a typical journalist question. What would it mean to win the World Cup? And I know that I fall directly into that journalist question, but sometimes you get players who are like, yeah, we're desperate to win it. We really want to win it and, yeah. and we're going to go and win it. But when you've had success like that, you have to be a bit measured about it going forward because there is additional pressure, I suppose. Yeah, there's there's expectation, there's pressure. Obviously, coming with, with winning the Euros, that's, that's exactly what they deserve as well. But it is the typical cliche player answer that they they will be looking one game at a time and but it's true i i genuinely don't think any of them will be thinking about the actual world cup can't yet, afford to really can you no get carried away with it alex summed it up perfectly you just want to you want to be training well it's it's the little one percenters on a daily basis mm. that lead up to a major tournament those those big moments those big moments are just one part of it it's it's the whole 
idea of training over weeks and months that the preparation that go, that leads into that and that's what they'll all be focused on now the, the here and now the the cup games coming up and the honor club cup performing with their club week in week out doing what the best they can making sure they're in the best form and the best shape possible going into the summer and it is a typical cliche but i think alex summed it up perfectly and she's 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 right they're getting recognition left, right and centre as we've seen with awards galore last year and uh, nominated for Laureus's World Team of the Year following that triumph at Euro 2022. Um, it was obviously the first major football trophy since the men's team won the 1966 World Cup. They're going to face competition though from Men's World Cup champions Argentina and Champions League winners Real Madrid for the award as well. France's men's rugby team and NBA side the Golden State Warriors as well as Formula One world champions Red Bull also nominated I mean that's an illustrious list to be named amongst Molly and I think that's it I think it's not even about whether the Lionesses will win or not it's the fact that women's football is is even in those circles and and for England I think it it sums up that kind of thing that we talked about in the summer of what would it mean to win what would the aftermath look like and this is it. And I think it's probably been bigger than even any of us could have imagined. And it's just fantastic to see because, you know, as Jen said, they, they deserve everything that, that is coming to them at the moment. They really do. Here's what England manager Serena Wiegmann had to say after receiving the nomination. Very honoured. Um, you know, um, it, it's, of course, about last summer and, and uh, what we've done uh, in qualification World Cup course um so yes we're really honored that we are nominated especially it's such a prestigious award it's just we've been seen everywhere over the world what we had done and um that's just really nice to see that's acknowledged uh so we're very proud and i'm very proud of the team uh to be nominated for this prestigious award um as we have been awarded so many times already yeah, and they'll continue that recognition, I'm sure. And gosh, can you imagine what they'll win if they uh, if they win the World Cup? Um, they also have um, a unique international double this year. So both uh, England women's and men's teams are going head-to-head against Australia in London. The Lionesses are going to be welcoming the Matildas to the Brentford Community Stadium on Tuesday the 11th of April for an Alzheimer's Society International. And then the Socceroos are going to be travelling on to take the three Lions on at Wembley stadium in October um, England women haven't played Australia since October 2018 it was a one all draw at Craven Cottage and this is going to be just before the finalissima on the 6th of April against Brazil sold out Wembley expecting a possible send off fixture in June as well before the Lionesses uh, fly out to Australia and that's actually going to be a really big test Jen I would say because potentially the Lionesses could meet Australia in the last 16 of the World Cup yeah, look, I, th- I think the World Cup prep is always is always so important, no matter who you're playing. But you're you're playing against the the hosts, you know, so it's it's even bigger for them. Um, the amount of prep that goes into to trainings and games leading up to a summer of a of a of a major campaign is huge. So, but look, it's a, it's another testament to the FA and the games that they've been organising, and that Brazil fixture will be absolutely massive as well as well as Wembley. A little bit surprised they're not playing both games at Wembley, mm. but you know Brentford, another great spectacle to be had, and you know look forward to to those games and you know great pre- great prep again for the girls. Yeah, that's a question to be asked. I would say is why Brentford and not. Uh and not Wembley. I know they have sold out Wembley and that, you know, that fixture has been on, but if you sold it out, why not sell it out twice? Must be something else on, uh, I, I would I would expect. Yes, and I think, look, we've talked on this show before about the struggles perhaps, which is just sounds ridiculous to even say it, of actually getting women's football in a London-based Premier League ground. It's not easy for various reasons. So actually, fair play to Brentford. We saw they were fantastic hosts during the Euros um, this summer so it's fantastic to see them getting behind the women's game again and yes maybe we could have had a bigger stadium but maybe we can't have everything You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 Faker Brothers, Jen Beattie and Molly Hudson with you next we're going to find out what else has been going on in the international break Women's Football Weekly That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2 Even on a budget quality is non-negotiable 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faye Carruthers, um, former Scotland defender, Jen Beattie and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. All you need to do is go and download it today. Uh, right, let's have a look at what else has been going on internationally. We'll talk Scotland with Jen in a second, but Ireland's women have confirmed their final farewell friendly before for the World Cup, um, but still not going to be featuring at Lansdowne Road. Before they play France on July the 6th, Vera Powell's side are going to be facing Zambia on June the 22nd in the Talak Stadium after the possibility of staging the game at the RDS or the Aviva was ruled out. Um, FAI CEO Jonathan Hill said they explored the possibility of hosting the game at the Aviva Stadium, but it wasn't available because of scheduled pitch redevelopment work, but they want to sell out the Talak Stadium instead as the perfect way to send off the team um you know first or no second opportunity for them since qualification to take on African opposition. Uh, They beat Morocco 4-0 back in November. Uh, They're going to be playing Nigeria in their Group B game in Brisbane. Um, But of course, also looking at playing Australia where they could be facing 80,000 people. So it would be good, Molly, if they were able to, to... be in a stadium that was sold out to replicate the kind of pressure that they might experience out in Oz. Definitely, and I think it's probably the biggest thing that England didn't anticipate during the summer, during the Euros. I mean, if you speak to the players now, they say they 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 it wasn't quite stage fright at that first game at Old Trafford against Austria, but they were sort of taken aback by it. And then by the time they'd got to Wembley for the final They'd gone through so many big occasions of sold-out grounds. They were used to it. And I think that's what, especially for Ireland, who aren't used to this sort of level of spotlight, level of crowds, that will be massive for them to go into that tournament and try and take as much of that pressure away from it because that should be a free hit for them. Mm. You're playing the hosts. All of the pressure should be on Australia in that game. And it's such a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really fascinating to see what they can do in the World Cup as well. Let's discuss the Pinatar Cup. Jen um, is having FOMO in terms of the Spanish weather, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but so far, mixed tournament for, for Scotland. They beat the Philippines 2-1, but then lost 2-0 to Iceland. What have you made it made of it all, Jen? Yeah, look, again, similar to the Arnold Clark Cup, I think Pedro's made, made loads of changes, especially in the, the second game, but... Look, the, the girls will just be enjoying being back together again after sort of the, the disappointment of not qualifying for the World Cup. So now it's now it's about longevity. It's about what can we work on now to be, I'm still saying we. How weird is that? Well, it is we. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, to be fair, I'm, I I, I'm England correspondent <laughs> and sometimes I slip and say we because I am an England fan. Yeah. So No, they'll, they'll just be, the thing is about Pedro, he's so into detail. 
you know, it's about the fine tuning, the little things that will go the long way. And these these camps are the perfect opportunity to do that because there's plenty of games, there's plenty of training time. The squad's big enough, the depth is big enough. He's taken a big squad with with plenty of talent, and you know, I feel like the squad's in a really good place. And it's been good seeing changes. I think Jenna Clark and Kelly Clark both got opportunities to play with each other and. Similar to England, to be fair, made loads of changes, and you know that's it's obviously unfortunate. That's when they concede goals because it's it's tricky to to gel in that sense. But no, it's great to see players getting starts and and opportunities in in all aspects. Some real transition period, isn't it? Both for 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 Scotland, for you, yeah. and and for Wales <laughs> as well. I suppose building now for qualification for the Euros. Exactly. I think you know that was one of the most disappointing things about not be, not qualifying for the World Cup. It was kind of like we we had a taste of the 2017 Euros. We were at the 2019 World Cup, and to miss out on two tournaments back to back again, and you know, and seeing the Lionesses be so successful and having the best time hosting a tournament, and well, not just that, winning it, and the success that came off the back of that. You want to be a part of it, of course. It's majority of the Scottish girls as well. A lot of them play in England and you know, we're in and around it on a day-to-day basis and you can feel the sense of it and you, you know what it takes. And for me, stepping back now and, and looking at the team and seeing the likes of, of Caroline Weir, Aaron Cuthbert and, and Claire Emsley and all those players that are, are so talented mm. and they, they deserve to be playing on, on a world stage. So, But I've, got, I've got, generally got no doubt they will. But now they've got the time to kind of put the work in place, make sure they're in the best case possible going into those qualifying games at the end of the year. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it it just feels strange not having them. It was strange not having you in the in the Euros for for sure. Yeah. But you know, fingers crossed for for the next tournament. Now, we spoke about England's World Cup hopes earlier on, and I'm sure uh, they're all keeping an eye on the progress of the United States. Two wins from two in the She Believes Cup, having beaten both Brazil and Canada. Canada have won once and lost once while playing in the, under protest in their continuing pay equity dispute with their federation. Uh, what have you made of the She Believes from what you've been able to see, Molly? I think it's um, it's a little bit of a strange one. We're so used to England being out there. And I have to say, as much as it's an absolute pleasure to travel the world with this job, I don't miss those internal American flights. Um, it's that was your first ever tournament around. as a journo, though, wasn't it? Uh, I did 2019 I thought you did. I thought you did the She Believes before the 2019 World Cup. Oh, then. no, I did the COVID She Believes where we oh, was hopping around trying cool. to avoid getting the Rona. Um, <laughs> so that, that, was a, that was a bit of a crazy one. Um, so I think, look, it's a really good opportunity for anyone to play the United States. That's always been the barometer of how good you really are. And I think, obviously, for Canada, they've got a, a huge amount going on. I can't even imagine trying to build it up to a, to a game trying to play the United States with all of that happening as well. Um, so I think they've done pretty well, all things considered. Um, and I think from from what I've seen from from a couple of journalists in the US, I don't think it's all particularly rosy with them. I think they're still testing a few things out. I don't think they're quite the United States of old. Obviously, we've seen they did struggle a little bit before Christmas under Vlatko and Danofsky. So I think... Yeah, they're, they're getting the wins, but they're not infallible. They're not infallible, is okay. what I would say. Well, I'm going to put my uh, Gem Beatty Scotland um, England hat on and rub my hands with glee ahead of the World <laughs> Cup for, for that. Sorry, USA fans, if you're if you're listening. I should have mentioned when we were talking about Wales, actually, that they're going to be hosting Northern Ireland in a friendly at Cardiff City Stadium in April as well, which is a part of um, Gemma Granger's preparations for the new UEFA Nations League campaign, which starts in September. Uh, Right, now then, something that Molly and I have been uh, aware about for a while but unable to discuss, uh, it's been in the pipeline for a while, is the future of the WSL and Championship in terms of ownership. Tom Gary at The Telegraph has announced that former Nike director Nicky Doucette has been appointed by the FA as a consultant as the two leagues move closer to being run by a standalone company. Uh, The head of women's football at the FA, Baroness Sue Campbell, has always said that the FA don't intend to run the WSL and Championship in the long term. The job advert called for an entrepreneurial leader who can drive transformational growth. Uh, what does all this mean, Molly? To be honest, I think it's maybe that um, quote is a good example of kind of jargon and we don't really know what it means right now. I think um, we're certainly in the position of, of this new 
company that's going to take on these two leagues. Obviously a huge, huge moment for the future of women's football, right? What direction is it going to go in? And in truth, we don't know at the moment. That is what um, the the working group, I believe it's it's there's there's 10, 10 people in that working group representing the FA clubs all across the board. And I think that is the key now in the short term to work out what does women's football want to be? Because in a way, we're in this really unique position of, of watching men's football, watching the Premier League, and maybe seeing, I like that bit, but I don't really like that bit. Can we get to a stage where we don't have that in our future? So I think that's what they're looking for at the moment. I think Nikki is certainly somebody that, that the FA think very, very highly of. I understand she was their real standout candidate. Um but because they don't know exactly what it is they're hiring at the moment, they don't know what the CEO of this company is because they don't know what the company is yet. Mm. So she's going to work as a consultant and just kind of help the FA and the clubs get to that stage, I suppose, because we've talked about this so much and nothing has really gone forward. And I think this is a big step to, to kind of getting there. Yeah, it, and it's really important, actually, and it comes... A time that Karen Carney has appointed an expert panel to to review women's football as well, which was launched by the the UK government. Names like Ian Wright and Hope Powell are going to be helping representatives from the NFL, uh, women in football as well. Uh, Jane Purdon, who's a who's a friend of the show, uh, sports business administrators, campaigners as well, which you know I'm sure will all kind of come in. To, to, to this remit and try and make sure that the path for, for, for women's football is the right one. Um, and Molly, you said the time scale likely to be 24-25 season that this kind of comes into place. Jen, I'm wondering from a player's point of view how, how you feel about it, whether it's something that, that you as players talk about or if it's something that even though it, it, it will affect you going forward, the, the way the game is going to be run, are you excited by it? Does it pass you by? How do you feel about it? No, I think it's definitely positive. I think most players in the game right now, I think, understand everyone's role to kind of push the game forward and, and make sure we all have a responsibility in order to help that and to do that. So there, there's not just general discussions around your, your club situation or everyone's associations and everyone's kind of pushing for, for more resources and more things like that. And I think there's always been a general chat around this kind of thing maybe happening in the future. Like you said, Sue Campbell's been very much open about how the FA was never going to run it forever and this was a high potential of happening. I think we've obviously seen that with the Barclays Premier League and how that changed over time and how massive that is. So no, I think there's a level of care that we all we all want the game to grow and we all want it to, to be in the best place. I think you summed it up perfectly actually, Holly, about how... Football's in a women's football's in a little niche situation where we can let it grow, but we we want to keep the good things and we want to kind of adapt it to how the men's game can maybe improve in certain ways. But no, look from a simple commercial value of making it global, I think would be incredible. And it's about big companies like that putting in investment, and I think it would be hopefully great for the game but I think it needs to have the right people guiding it in the right direction and that's ultimately the most important thing Yeah it certainly is exciting times that's for sure you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 I'm Faker Others Molly Hudson from The Times and Jen Beattie Arsenal defender uh, both with me coming up we're going to look ahead to the FA Cup fifth round Women's Football Weekly That is absolute top quality on Talk Sport 2 You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. Me, Faker Rothers, Molly Hudson and Arsenal's Jen Beattie with you. We are available on podcast as well. Don't forget, as if you could, I remind you every single week, uh, plenty of places you can go and download us. First, though, head to the Talk Sport app and you can find us there. Obviously, you can subscribe elsewhere as well. You know how it works. Uh, right. The draw for the fifth round of the FA Cup. We spoke to Cardiff captain Corrie Williams a couple of weeks ago. Division 1 South West side are the lowest team left in the tournament. They head to the dripping pan to face Lewis. Just a quick reminder 
of all the fixtures before you know the one we're going to focus on, the big one. They're all big for all of the teams, but bearing in mind we have Arsenal's Jem Beattie with us today. We're obviously going to talk about Chelsea-Arsenal, but don't forget we've also got Charlton Athletic versus Birmingham. Manchester United will face Durham. West Ham, Villa, uh, Lewis Cardiff, as I mentioned, Spurs, Reading, Brighton, Coventry and Bristol City, Manchester City, uh, all the fixtures being played um, over the weekend. But let's focus on Chelsea Arsenal, shall we? Um, pick of the ties, arguably. Come on, it is the pick of the tie, isn't it? 2pm kickoff, um, seven days before Chelsea versus Arsenal in the Continental Cup final, which we have live on Talk Sport, by the way. Um, how season-defining a period is, is this for both teams, Jen? Yeah, huge. I mean, I, I say that, but last season it went down to the wire, didn't it? And it kind of, the season's long and there still are so many games to play. But look, of course, this is when, you know, come Christmas when you're in all, all four competitions and then all of a sudden there's finals and there's semis and, you know, come the end of the season, you still want to be in them all. Um, the calendar is crazy. The, the games come thick and fast, but it's about sustaining that that momentum and you know we had a pretty disappointing game before the break I won't lie dropping points against West Ham and ultimately below par of what we expect as a team performance wise but and the, the tricky bit about this 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 Chelsea game is straight after the international break it's always difficult when you've not had that that time period as a team to put plans in place and especially when games come thick and fast you know when you've not got a full week of prep leading up to a big game but it's an interesting one like you said we we play them twice in, in quick succession but we just kind of can take experience from, from Man City in that, that aspect we played them midweek in the Conti Cup and then again in the league and two completely different games yeah they were um, so we need to take experience from that to, to kind of treat them treat them differently and as individuals and, and go into it as a cliche one game at a time but both just as important as each other to be honest we don't we don't want to go out of the cup early we want to get to all the way and win it and it's the same with the Conti Cup final so two massive games against a very good team who are, are playing very well this season mm. um, but I feel like the squad's still in a really good place so everyone's gone away in international we'll have a couple of sessions going to the game and this isn't internationally focused and I'm not going to put you on the spot with too much Arsenal chat but at mm. the same time and I didn't know whether I'd let Molly ask this question or me but let's let's discuss the back three decision um, yeah. that, that Jonas Eideval uh, made the other week and, and how you as a player feel about it and how you feel that this this group is progressing because a lot has been talked about in terms of Beth Mead and Vivian Miedemar's mm-hmm. um, absence and, and, and recovery for, from injury but ha- how do you feel the se- that the season is going and you can decide whether or not you answer that back three question within that not like personally I like the back three I think in my when I've played for other teams and been or lifted trophies the teams have been dynamic and you've had to change and you've had to adapt based on and it's it's not a disrespect to yourself as a team or the opposition it's just about bringing the best out of players bringing the best out of each other and having to adapt to different games and diff- the game is so tactical these days it's not just the best players on the pitch win the game there's so much tactical evidence that goes into it, physicality technical ability and I think it's a credit to the team that we can play different formations and we can play different personnel and still be successful and it worked really well against City midweek um, but no I, th- I think it's you have to be adaptable. You ha- you can't play the same way, or teams will will figure you out in a heartbeat. So it's it's about being unpredictable and being in the best place going into the next game. And I guess the the Chelsea Arsenal games are always massive, right? It's a London derby already, but yeah. how much does the fact that it almost always feels like Chelsea or Arsenal, whoever wins that game, if it's not a trophy directly on the line in a final, it always feels like momentum swings massively in a tight race. How much does that add to that rivalry between these two teams? To be honest, I don't, I don't think many of us would pay attention to that momentum. I think it's very much like we focus on what happens between the four walls, you know, what happens in our training ground, our prep going into a game. You know, we, we try to switch off to, to, I guess, the noise that um, is in media and, and stuff like that. And I think it's very much focused on, on our performances and... I always say football short term memory you have to forget what's just happened and move on very quickly because there's always you know 9 out of 10 times if you're, if you're in all competitions there's a midweek game and then there's a weekend game straight away so it has to be you have to learn quick 
with new formations despite what we've just spoken about and if you've won lost or draw forget it it's on to the next like but it's about picking up as many points as possible lifting as many trophies as possible that's what that's what we're about as a club we've we've gone far too long without having a trophy and lifting a trophy and I think when you look around the dressing room again and you see players of that ability and that deserve to be on that on that stage lifting trophies you know it's 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 something that we're we're very hungry for but no for, for us it's not about it's not about rivalries it's about taking each team as seriously as possible I think that the West Ham game sums that up as well like we we didn't go to, into that game any differently than we would against Chelsea every game is as big as each other especially in a title race does it feel now that the Champions League is so much more vital obviously you have opportunities for silverware in terms of the FA Cup and the uh, and the Conti Cup um, do you feel as if you're out of the WSL title race now or are you still very much in it even though You've been replaced in the top three by by Manchester City. How do you as players see it? No, I think we're very much still in it. I think it's not a lack of understanding of where we're at in the table. We're very much aware of where we are, but it's it's more so an understanding of how competitive this league is and how it's incredible for a neutral watching, but difficult as a player. But look, I, th- I think last year summed it up. It did go to the last game of the season, and you know, hopefully that doesn't happen this year. It was it was difficult to deal with, but. It, there's been twists and turns already. I'm sure everyone's spoken about it. But look, I hope um, at, at come the end of the season, I'll be I'll be saying something different. It, it didn't. We didn't lose it on the last day. But um, everyone's got the confidence. There's there's so much work still to be done for us as a team. And but no, we're we're still very much so in it. We, we may be fourth, but it's not that far off in points. And there's so many games still to be played. So much football still to be played. So we very much believe that we're still in it. Champions League resumption next month as well. Bayern Munich as your quarterfinal opponents. Yeah. How do you rate them? Oh, brilliant! They're they're unbelievable. I was um, <laughs> I text Georgia Stanley straight away because I look forward to a little catch up with her. But um, no, the thing about the Champions League, I, I say it over and over again with with our own WSL, how competitive the WSL is. It's the same in Champions League. It's like you know, you get to a quarterfinal and any of those eight teams are are really competitive, top of their game and unbelievable internationals that play week in week out for them um, but no hu- huge team have so much experience as well at that top level and will be very very difficult very much looking forward to, to the resumption of that good luck at the weekend as well in thank the you. FA Cup and thank you so much for coming in I'm loving this uh, new uh, internationally retired Jem <laughs> Beattie who's Me able too. to come into the Talksport <laughs> 2 studios uh, we'll catch up again soon no doubt thank you Jen Pleasure. Molly Hudson as always thank you very much she'll see you in Bristol See you in Bristol. You can listen, by the way. Do not forget the final um, and the finale showdown uh, it now is between England and Belgium is live on TalkSport 2 on Wednesday night. Uh, thank you very much to Molly Hudson, Jen BC, producer Will, and of course all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget if you miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.